0: Hello oh, and welcome to Rad Mom Radio, a podcast dedicated to moms and all their favorite topics. My name's Natalie and I'm your host. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to a new month. It's April. April is Autism Acceptance Month. And, you know, coming up in September, it will be five years since Riley was diagnosed with autism. And typically I do something every year in April just to kind of highlight and celebrate autism. And this is the first year, the first April that I've had a podcast. So I thought that I would dedicate my episodes this month to having conversations about autism. So typically I do publish one episode a week. This month I have nine episodes to share with you. So I've been, I've been busy recording and having amazing conversations. A majority of these women in these conversations you'll get to hear this month are women in my local community. They are moms of autistic children. And then I do have an episode to share with you with a mom named Sarah. And Sarah's on the East Coast, and Sarah is autistic herself, so you'll get to hear that episode next week. But this was so much fun to record these conversations and to get to know these moms better. Um, a lot of these moms I've known for a few years at least, and mostly just through Facebook, through, you know, my mom community that I started five years ago. And I got the opportunity to have these really in-depth conversations with them, which was honestly pretty much the reason why I started podcasting to begin with is because I love having these conversations and getting to know people. And they're just all really beautiful, amazing, inspiring moms. And so I'm really excited to get to share these episodes with you. I tried, you know, my hardest to kind of try to have A collection of episodes that are kind of more broadly representative of my community, if that makes any sense. You know, I kind of tried to find moms who maybe have older kids, moms who have younger kids, maybe moms that have more than one kid on the spectrum, moms who have girls. I'm not sure that I completely Hit the mark on the representation part, but I really, really tried. And something that I'd like to do going forward is continue to, to do these kinds of episodes. I think this is kind of like my sweet spot as far as topics go is talking about neurodivergence and autism and stuff. So hopefully like moving forward, I will get to like have a really broad representation on my podcast. But I did my best and I do think that you'll really enjoy these episodes because these moms are just really awesome. This first episode I have for you for Autism Acceptance Month is with a mom in my community named Karen. And Karen has an autistic son who's an adult. His name is Ian. And Ian actually did pop in while I was talking to Karen's, You'll get to hear from him a little bit. Super sweet young man. Something that I've always enjoyed about, you know, following Karen on Facebook is her posts about Ian. He just looks like a very happy, sweet-natured person and beautiful smile. So, you know, Karen's perspective and Karen's journey with raising an autistic child is different than mine. And and a lot of others because she's raised him through a lot more of the stages of life with autism, you know, like she did the early diagnosis, the early intervention, you know, grade school, junior high, high school, puberty, you know, now he's an adult. So she's, you know, more seasoned, I guess is what you could call it when it comes to raising an autistic child. And so, You know, moms like this who have that kind of perspective and that kind of experience are invaluable to moms like me who really don't have much of a an ability to to understand all the possibilities that the future holds. You know what I mean? Like when you have a child that's autistic, it's almost kind of like you get frozen in time a little bit and it's hard to sort of see past today and tomorrow. But, you know, Karen offers a lot of insight that is really important to moms like me with younger kids. So I hope that you really enjoy this episode and I hope that you do stick around for the rest of the episodes this month. Um, You won't be disappointed. I can promise you that. But yeah, I hope that you enjoy this episode and this is my interview with Karen. Hey, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. So you are my first interview for my autism series. I'm going to do basically dedicate the month of April to autism, just talking about autism. And you have a son named Ian who's diagnosed with autism But Mm -hmm. before we get into that, I wanted to ask you an icebreaker question because usually what I do is a lot of my guests are usually in other parts of the country. So I'll ask, like, what's something special to you about your city? But we live in the same city. So I just thought we'll just ask an icebreaker question. So the one I have for you is if you were to host a dinner party and you could invite three famous people alive or people that have passed, who would they be and why?
1: Well, I have to be kind of probably stereotypical and say, I'd say Jesus is one. because okay. I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them say hello to my dad, my brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking uh, Robin Williams. I would love oh, to yeah. have would be hysterical. I loved mm-hmm. him so much. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of an odd choice but steve Irwin is another one that i love the hunter guy i loved him so much Mm -hmm. and he would be they'd be very interesting Mm -hmm. guests
0: Mm -hmm. just
1: funny and interesting i was trying to think of a it's funny i couldn't think of a woman i wanted to
0: have with this yeah
1: yeah (laughs) but um yeah i just robin williams would have been a kick he would have been and then like i said the energy that steve Irwin had and he died so young he really Mm -hmm. did and I just thought that that would be an interesting three people to have there. <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't, yeah. somebody that wasn't famous, of course, like I said, I would do my, my dad. My dad mm-hmm. passed
0: in 2019
1: and my brother passed just now in December. Oh, so, wow. you know, we see those have
0: them all. If we can have them all. Mm-hmm. That'd
1: be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, the conversation would be very
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially Jesus and Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those
1: right. two together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because if you've ever, you know, it's funny, like, you'll listen to a comedian, you'll see them in a movie, right? Like, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And it's yeah. like a family movie, so it's very, like, somewhat wholesome. And then you listen to their stand-up comedy and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be blue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be interesting, uh, Robin Williams and Jesus, but I'm sure, I'm sure it would be <laughs> funny, though. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was like, I have no idea. That's a good question. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, how old was Ian when he was diagnosed with autism? Um,
1: He was two years and nine months old.
0: So, September of two thousand and
1: four was when he was diagnosed with EPU, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was uh, pretty devastating to hear. Although I, I had suspected. I looked up all the symptoms, but to have it concrete. I, it was, I was like, where do I do now? You know, where do you go? So, and then it was, uh, he did go through um, CVRC. They saw him and they said, come back after he turns three. And we did. And he met all the markers there again. He was pretty nonverbal. So, but he would do behaviors that were pretty typical. didn't play with toys appropriately he lined up a little, not not even like some people you see, but he would um, put his toys in his lap and just kind of, I don't want to say juggle, but he'd just kind of move them like mm-hmm. this. And he had this thing for toothbrushes, unused. Hmm. I had to buy him toothbrushes. He had a whole bag full of toothbrushes, and mm-hmm. he would kind of line those up and oh. not necessarily in any order, but it was a strange thing. But mm-hmm. I noticed lots of signs pretty early that just seemed quirky, but all my kids are quirky. So I noticed something, I think actually all, all four of mine are probably on the spectrum somewhere. The three are neurotypical, the older ones, but I do notice things that I look back on, you know, things, quirky things your kids will do. Like, especially, you know, when one of my kids could not wear anything like a decal, if it was on the inside of the shirt, they couldn't stand it scratching them. They had to have all their socks turn inside out. So the seams out little stuff you don't really notice, but they, you know, they are neurotypical and, um, and it was, there was no question. There was no question Mm -hmm. that, that we verbally, his behaviors, everything, everything kind of pointed toward autism, but hearing that was pretty, pretty devastating. And he's my youngest and my only son. So I, I wish they had some kind of rule book or some book to follow with all these kids when they're born. But when you have a child with a disability and you have no, you, you, there's no books or pamphlet. Everything's devoted. We well, find them, you know, mm-hmm. first you don't know they're there, but I didn't know anybody. I didn't know yeah. anybody with a child with any disabilities at all. So I remember thinking, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, you grieve over the life you, sort of thought you would have and you imagined for your child and for yourselves. And I really didn't want to do it. I don't know how everybody else feels, but I remember thinking I'm not up for this. I, Mm -hmm. I just want a nice little family and things to go normal. And, uh, but then I snapped out of that as fast as I could because you know, early intervention is really, really key. Mm -hmm. I thought, is this child ever going to speak? Is he ever going to be able to read? you know, what, what happens next. And, um, uh, I found out also, that's very, it just depends on the child too. You know, some kids go on to live more typical lives and, you know, live alone and independent. Some even drive. I, I have a great nephew who is uh, 16 and he, he was diagnosed and his, his autism of course is different than Ian's. Ian is communication, always the artist the, from the very beginning. he, he you know was all about the grunting and <laughs> yeah. pointing remember the point they take your hand and lead you to yeah. what they want mm-hmm. for that stage mm-hmm. and he would do that but it was very very little language and uh, his behaviors reflected that because he would get easily frustrated he couldn't communicate we couldn't understand what he wanted wouldn't look at you at all mm-hmm. wouldn't respond to his name all the all the typical things that we experience different people to different degrees it's, it's been a challenge. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's yeah. we've had some bad days and some bad years and ups and downs. But then it's also been, it, he's just, just the greatest kid. You know, yeah. there's days where I just, I think how lucky we are that we were able to find the people we needed along the way. He, he's had intense therapy, still doing speech therapy but he outgrew the autism program. The ABA is what we did. Sorry. Mm -hmm. ABA. He outgrew it by 11 for sure. Um, He didn't need help standing in line anymore. He didn't need help taking a shower. We got to where he goes there and is able to take care of all his hygiene Mm -hmm. issues and washing his own hair. You know, we, they did it in stages. You know, we Mm -hmm. had a little program where we would just add more every few days and, I used to have to stand there and wash his hair and make sure you can kind of hear him
0: in the background every now and then. He's just from looking at your pictures on Facebook. Like he's just, he looks like a very happy person. He's a good,
1: he's really got a good, a good personality that way. He, he has his issues. Don't, don't get me wrong. Every now and then he'll get in a little bit of a grumpy mood, but he's very easygoing. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good about change. He doesn't, when he was younger, oh my goodness, no. Mm-hmm. We had those times where I would be driving a certain way to his aut- autism center, And if I went the wrong way, he knew. Mm-hmm. And he would reach, reach for him, try to hit me. Mm-hmm. And when I would change something or do a different route or do anything different in the mornings, oh my goodness, he would have a meltdown. That's all gone. All that's changed. The older he got, the more more language and communication skills he got, and of course maturity and and therapy. Totally easy to live with now. I can go in there and say, "Hey, Andy, you know, you're hungry. You want?" To? He can tell me exactly what he wants. He can. He'll tell me, you know, I want to go to this store. I say, so, "Okay, let's go." If he tells me, uh, he'll tell me what to buy at the grocery store. Mom, I need this. Mom, I need that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But he's he's this mix of child, a teenager, and adult, and he likes to be treated as an adult though. You know, but he likes childlike things like Sesame Street and Teletubbies and Sonic the Hedgehog and I mean Christmas is always still fun with him. He likes the sensory squishy things. He's not much into the poppers and that what's that spinner thing?
0: Uh fidget spinners. Fidget mm-hmm. spinner. He was
1: I was more interested in that he Me too. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like. He things. does like he does like the squishy, um, like the balls that you squish mm-hmm. and they come out the whole thing. Yeah, he likes stuff like that. But here he comes. He's coming. Hey, buddy, Look. come this way and say hi. Say hi.
0: Hi, Mr. Kate. No, hi. No, this is- hi, Ian. She's hi. Sad. Hi. And tell her your name. What's your name? My name's Natalie. That's Natalie. Miss Natalie. What's your name? Ian. How old are you? I'm. 21
1: years That's, old. Yeah. <laughs> did you just take a shower?
0: Yeah, I did take a you shower. You
1: smell amazing. Well, uh, I'm doing a podcast, Ian, so just got to be quiet, okay? Oh, yes. yes. Good job. But anyway, so, but I would, I would encourage anybody out there, you know, don't, you can't tell what your child's life is going to be like when they're three, when they're five, mm-hmm. when they're 10. You, you still don't
0: know. What would you say are like... Because I know you talked about like when he was a child, some of his challenges then. What would you say are like his biggest challenges now? Is it like the the communication mostly?
1: Biggest challenges now are still communication, comprehension on a lot of things. He he's very simplistic on his his comprehension. Still um, communication uh, he still needs some guidance yeah. with many. He does really, really well. Now he'll go up and pay for something, but he, he doesn't count his own change. He, i you know, we're still working on that, but definitely again, the communication comprehension is just going to come as it comes and he's doing really well. He understands more than he can verbalize for sure. He, he just does typical things that anybody else would do. Likes his computer. He likes to go jump at the, you know, the trampoline park, like loves the zoo, loves to go out with us, but his, his biggest challenges is, you know, he still, he still needs to work on his phone skills. He still can't really use a phone real well, but you know, being out in the, in, in, the public, he's never been alone. He, he, he still needs guidance for paying for things, ordering things. He does pretty well, but you know, there's a lot of things that will never change no matter how much therapy we do. But I, I'm not afraid anymore. Like I was yeah. in the early days I really see how much he's learned, how much he's grown. like I said, I was worried he would never even learn to read. He can read he he doesn't he writes pretty legibly. It, it's it's just he'll never be a, a typical adult. He'll always need some help
0: mm-hmm. Being in the group, you probably hear a lot of people talk about like the levels of autism. and Ian was diagnosed like 20 years ago almost. Is that something that was talked about a lot as like severe versus high functioning, mild, moderate? Yeah.
1: They used to say severe, moderate Mm -hmm. and mild. And he was considered moderate to severe Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And they even had, I had a school psychologist at Holland kind of look at me. I he's about three and a half or four. And they said, we also, you know, have tested him and he has some mental retardation. And she looked at me like I was going to blow up. I said, okay. And they don't. I don't think they use that term at all.
0: Oh, you said that, or the person said that?
1: That's what the psychologist said. They had tested him, and, of course, autism, and he had um, a lot of deficits, but also that they believed he had some mental retardation. And I said, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And she
1: goes, okay, you're right. I said, look, if it gets him more services and it gets him what he needs to do, I don't care. Label it any way you want. Yeah. And later on, they did drop that off of his you know, his determination, um, and just was autism. He was always moderate. Um, I would say he is still moderate mm-hmm. because of communication and comprehension and reciprocal language, but one of Ian's greatest strengths, one of the things that I do I'm very fortunate besides him having a pretty, pretty easygoing personality is he's an, has empathy. He, he will Knock something over. Oh, oh, just things like that. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. And it's an inanimate object. He'll put it. He's the neatest kid I got. His room is like immaculate. Yeah. It used to be that way. When he was young, this is a master. Toys everywhere. Pulled his bedding off every day. Today, he it's drum tight, man. He's got that bed tightly. <laughs> he makes his own bed up. Things are in bins. He's got them all categorized. Take hope. If your kid's a messy kid, you may be so... I would never have dreamed... Um, he doesn't like, like I say, his room is the neatest probably in my kitchen, but he has empathy for people. Mm -hmm. If he does something, he says, sorry, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I I used to make him apologize to his sisters, even though he didn't understand. I say, you you have to say sorry to sister. And he did. Sorry. I love you. You know him. That's, that was a great one when he first started, when he first began to kind of, you know, he understood that those are hard concepts sometimes. Like I said, I recently lost my brother in yeah. December, and it was very unexpected. We had no idea. Died at home, and uh, uh, we found him later, and it was devastating. And he, he, he will tell me, "I miss him, David. I miss him." And our dog just passed away, like the beginning of the month. He misses the dog. He, but he would come up to me and pat me, like if I was upset, and he I would tell me, "I miss him." And are you sad? And I said, yes, I'm sad. He goes, he'll say, I miss him. I miss him so much. Mm-hmm. So, but he does, He he tends to have, he went from actually expressionless, wouldn't smile, wouldn't laugh, wouldn't respond to almost, there was a middle part where he was over dramatic through the, doing the fat, the big faces. He still kind of does that. And now he's kind of settled. Down. Very sweet. He, he drew a picture of my brother. I was going to show you real quick. if I can find it. And, uh, mm-hmm. I should do that. I think I should do the one of my dad, but he drew a picture of my brother and he put the, you know, you he that's awesome. lived and died. Yeah. Yes. It actually really uh-huh. looks like my brother. And he did that with anybody, but he, um he knows, he knows when something's sad and trying to explain death, death to him has been kind of a challenge. You know, we, we are a Christian family, but it's kind of hard to tell him, you know, he he's not coming back. And we left our, lost our dog. He knows, he knows. And he came and said, of the dog and and uh but I don't know you know wish I could peel back the lid sometime and see what he sees Mm -hmm. and how the world sees to him but he is a very sweet-natured empathetic person and if you told me way back when he was three four five six seven that how life would be now I wouldn't have worried I wouldn't have worried yeah
0: yeah I think that's huge though is that you know, like what you're saying about, you know, in my group, there's a lot of moms who have little kids. And in the beginning, you get this diagnosis, you get limited information. And I always say now, like, if you gave me a crystal ball, because I feel like the world misunderstands moms of autistic kids, that they think we don't want our kids to be autistic. But it's not that it's that we can't predict the future and know how they're going to be later when we're not here. So I always say like, if you gave me a crystal ball and you could prove to me that Riley will be okay when I'm not here anymore, I don't have any concerns. He's awesome, you know, and he's autistic and that's how God made him. And like, I love him exactly exactly how he is, but it's the not knowing how, how is he going to be when I'm not here? Because I don't have the power to be here forever. I worry about that.
1: And I have three older kids that have assured me, oh, we'll take care of him, especially Katie, the one that's two years older. She said, oh, he'll live with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, you do deserve your own life. You do deserve to do whatever you need to do. And I said, I'm hoping we can find a situation where, you know, some kids do some, young I shouldn't say kids, some adults um, do great, even better, you know, living in a, a structured home like that and doing things and having their friends and stuff like that. It just depends. But, you know, even be told, right. hey, we're going to take care of him. I want to be here to right. do that. I want to be here, but I know I can't live forever. I'm 57, he's 21. I'm not going to live. I'm hoping to live another 20, 30. <laughs> yeah, you 30. could. That's a little could. Maybe I could do 87. But, you know, I, you want to know. You want that guarantee that from now that they're going to be taken care of that They're not going to be taken advantage of. Someone's going to love them the way you love them, which will never happen Find someone close. And if you have family that's willing to do it, great. If you don't, that's the scary part. And even with, like I said, with my three, saying, oh, we'll always watch after him. I believe it. I believe they will. And it does give me comfort because he has siblings that are older and love him and would take care of him. But there's no guarantees on anything. But I'm trying to think to myself mm-hmm. now look, you were so scared in the beginning, you were so worried. And really, where you are now, you know, if you could have told, if I could have told myself back then, you know, 17, 18 years ago, look, stop worrying, stop stressing, stop grieving. It's going to be okay. You know, don't, don't go it alone. Don't do any of this alone. Whether your own emotional health as well, you, you can't, you don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate your child. Find it. Find a group that supports you. Find someone you can talk to you as well for you as well it, you know just mm-hmm. I, I think I would have saved myself a lot of heartache and a lot of fear known at the beginning what I know now but once I found a, people I could that would help me even just to listen to me if someone around you isn't supporting you isn't uh, you know able to give you that support find it find it somewhere else and but I will say that I mean my number one thing is It's, it may get worse before it ever gets better. It may stay bad for a long time. Maybe good from the beginning, but get plugged in with somebody that can help you whether, like I said, whether it's someone just to talk to or whether it's someone who can get your child started doing something and you may not see it in the beginning, but don't go it alone, whatever you do, don't, don't try to do any of it alone. It's, you know, surround yourself with people as much as you can when you're ready. If you're not ready in the beginning to, I don't want to, I don't want to hear, oh, it's all going to be fine. Because right now it's not good. It's not fine. And I don't want to hear anybody telling me it's going to be okay. But when you're ready to hear it, it's going to be okay.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. If you ever need to get in contact with me, you can send me an email. My email address is radmomradio at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Radmom Radio. And to close off this episode, Riley is home with me this week for spring break, and he is going to tell you a pun. Go ahead, buddy. What do you call a what do you call cheese that is not yours? What do you call it? Nacho cheese. <laughs> 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 so funny. Say thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.